Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. We are so glad you joined us today. This podcast features messages, interviews, and discussions from Radiant Church located in Seneca, South Carolina. For more information about Radiant, visit RadiantChurchSC.com. Here's today's episode. Welcome to the Radiant Church Podcast. My name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor. We're so glad you could join us today from wherever you're watching and listening from. If this is your first time joining us, go to RadiantChurchSC.com and click I'm New. If you fill out that short form online as a way of saying thank you, we're going to donate $5 to one of the nonprofits that's listed. Well, today we wrap up our segment of Jesus' ministry focused on parables. Now, we started in Luke chapter 11 with the story of a guy asking his neighbor for bread at midnight. And we learned that in that story, uh, you know, God is a good father, right? And he wants to give us good things. Now, in Luke chapter 12, we quickly touched on three parables that focused on being ready for Jesus' return. And then we went into Luke 14 to listen to Jesus tell a story about showing compassion and humility. Now, our final parable takes us to Luke chapter 16, and oh man, it's it's a doozy, okay? It comes on the heels of another parable that we just didn't have time to touch on. This one's called the shrewd manager. Let me quickly give you the main takeaway from that story because it directly impacts the one that we're going to look at here today. So Jesus tells this story about a manager who learned that he would be fired for being dishonest with the books. He's cooking the books, all right? So he calls in everyone who is in debt to his employer, and he writes off portions of their debt. So one guy owed 800 gallons of olive oil. The manager cuts it in half. Hey, you owe 400 now. The lesson here is to use your finances, your resources, your networks, all that you have at your disposal for the advancement of God's kingdom. That famous teaching, if you're faithful in little things, God will place you in charge of greater things. That comes from this particular story. Then Jesus provides the story that we're going to look at today. Now remember, we're to use what we have for God's kingdom. That's the lesson of this, this shrewd manager parable, right? And that's, that's, that's the, the main takeaway. Getting right into the story here of, of what's known as the rich man and Lazarus. Now look at Luke 16 verse 19. Jesus said there was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen and who lived each day in luxury. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. And as Lazarus lay there longing for the scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Finally, the poor man died and he was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. And the rich man also died and he was buried. And he went to the place of the dead. And there in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. Verse 24, the rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I'm in anguish in all these flames. But Abraham told him, son, remember that during your lifetime, he had everything he wanted. And Lazarus, well, he, he had nothing. So now he's here being comforted, and you're in anguish. And besides, this is a great chasm separating us, so no one can cross over from you to here, and no one can cross over to us from there. Verse 27. Then the rich man said, Please, Father Abraham, at least send some people's angels to my father's home, for I have five brothers, and I want to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can, can read what they wrote. And the rich man replied, No, Father Abraham, if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they'll repent of their sins, and they'll turn to God. But Abraham said, If they won't listen to Moses and the prophets... 
they won't be persuaded, even if someone rises from the dead. Now, this is a really unique story because it involves some elements of Jesus' parables that you know, they, they don't usually have. So, if that, some folks think this is not a parable at all. Actually, it could be a real story. And before you object to that, just think about who Christ is for a moment. You know, if we believe that he's both fully God and fully man, right? Uh, wouldn't he be privy then to the eternal conditions of, of people all around the world? That makes sense, right? Now, one of the big clues that this may not be a parable, but it's perhaps an account of like, you know, an actual event, is the poor man has a name. His name is Lazarus, which means God helps. This is the only story that Jesus tells in which a person's actually named. And it's not that it couldn't be a parable. It's just highly unusual. It's not like there once was a man who had three sons. Like, it's not that kind of thing. And that, that, that's what clues you into the, you know, a parable, a fictional story. So Lazarus and the rich man, they, they live completely different lives. It's important to understand in Jewish culture during Jesus' day, the overwhelming belief was that God would bless those who were righteous. So if you're, you know, if you're wealthy, if everything went your way, it's because God rewarded you. You had the favor. You know, like favor ain't fair, right? And religious leaders, well, they embrace this stuff. And the Pharisees taught that you earn God's favor by your works. You reap material reward as a result of those good works, too. And the rich man in the story, he's just further evidence of that. Now, if you lived a life like Lazarus, they, they would look at you and say, hey, you're poor, you're struggling your disease, and it's evidence that God's hands against you because of your deep sin. Now, we may not want to admit this today, but there are many of us who still subscribe to that kind of thinking. You know, you, you cannot earn God's favor. If you're blessed more than others, it's not because you're more godly necessarily. Sometimes it could be, but, but a lot of times it's not. If you're struggling, it's not necessarily because you're a horrible sinner. That's just not how God's favor and blessing tend to work. Now, Jesus paints this contrasting picture on purpose for, I think, a couple of reasons. So one, I think he wants to shatter a wrongly held belief in how God blesses people. The eternal destinations of both men, man, it would have shocked his audience. Like it definitely was a twist in the story if you're listening to this being told in the first century. But two, I think he wants to draw attention to how the Jewish leadership lives. They live in wealth, they live in security, they live in fine foods and clothing, they justify their lavish lifestyles because they believe they've earned God's blessing and favor, you know? And, and so you can see there's, a, there's probably a parallel that he's drawing between Jewish leadership and the rich man in the story. And you can see the implicit connection between this story and the parable of the shrewd manager that I just sort of walked you through in the beginning here. The rich man could have done what God's word taught. He could have invited the poor to the dinner table. He could have used his wealth and resources to bless people and advance God's kingdom. He could have served others. He had opportunities that were right in front of him. In fact, one particular opportunity was sent right in front of his gated community every day. And still, the rich man missed it. So I wondered today, are you missing, are you missing it too? <laughs> we, we should ask ourselves, how am I living? Sometimes we find ourselves living a, a gated life, a closed off, separated life from other people. And you know, most of us, if you're watching or listening right now, you're in America or a Western nation in particular, and you live in security and your needs are being met. And you know, we have access to some of our wants too, right? You know, the poorest among us in America, they still comprise the upper echelon of the world's wealthy. Like they're, we're, we're much better off 
and the poor of Bolivia or Tanzania, right? So we live in this security, which isn't eternally rooted. It's based in a temporary worldly system. And there's nothing wrong with that in and of itself. I just don't believe it's, it's evil or sinful to be wealthy or well-off or whatever, okay? I think that's really important. But there is a risk that we'll miss the kingdom opportunities right in front of us, right outside of our gated community, if you will, when we only focus on advancing ourselves within this worldly system. So again, let me just ask you, how are you living? Are you inviting people to discover the hope and freedom you found in Christ? Are you standing for the things which are right? Are you standing for the ones who can't stand up for themselves in our society? Are you being generous with what God has blessed you with to benefit other people and to advance His kingdom? How exactly are you living today? And that's a really important question to ask because how you're living right now has a direct impact on where you may spend eternity. Death was not always a part of life. I don't know if you realize that or not, but when God created the world initially, He called it good. So He didn't create plants, animals, people to die, decay, suffer disease, or even to age. Sin and its effects caused those things. Sin brought physical death to our world, but it also brought spiritual separation from our Creator for all of eternity. The Pharisees and other religious leaders actually understood very little about eternity. We, we know more about it than they did because we have the benefit of the New Testament. You know, they didn't. So outside of Daniel, which they would have had access to at the time, the Old Testament just doesn't contain many writings on the afterlife. Whenever you talked of God's kingdom, um, it was thought that His kingdom would be like here on earth in the nation of Israel. Now, Daniel comes along and he does change some of this because he speaks of an eternal kingdom, an established kingdom that is yet to come. And so the Pharisees, who would have had access to that teaching, um, they didn't quite take hold of it just yet. It hadn't really gripped the, the, the rabbis the way you know, it, it would later on. So the rich man of Lazarus spent eternity in very different places. And there's some deep theology attached to the words used to describe where Lazarus and the rich man were taken. And we touched on this a little bit earlier, but for our purposes today, like I, I want to keep things very simple, okay? So Lazarus is taken to what we would call heaven. The rich man is taken to a place that we would call hell. Now clearly there's a reversal of fortunes here, <laughs> right? Lazarus is enjoying security. The rich man, he is now suffering. The existence of an actual heaven and hell in this story, it's actually a really big deal. The Old Testament simply taught that when you died, you went to a place called Sheol. And, you know, Sheol wasn't bad, it wasn't great, this was kind of the place of the dead, okay? We really get a more developed picture of both heaven and hell in the New Testament. Jesus speaks of both quite a bit in his teaching, so much so we have to acknowledge these locations exist. Despite what you may hear and, and what you might have thought of before this teaching today, there is in fact a real hell and people will find themselves in that place throughout eternity. Now, there are a lot of different ideas about hell and what it's like and if we're going to be honest, and that's really important, the key here is honesty, we have to say we don't know for sure what it's like. We have some ideas, we have some clues, how much of it is literal, how much of it's metaphorical, like we just don't know. But this story provides at least a few clues as to what hell is possibly like. I don't take them as a metaphor, because again, I actually kind of lean towards this story being a real account. It may not be a fictional parable at all. So we know from the story 
that hell is a place of separation. I think that's the most important thing. You're separated from God for eternity. The rich man can't cross to Lazarus. Abraham can't get down there, you know. So we know it's a place of separation. We know it's a place of suffering and torment because the rich man desires just a drop of water and he's denied. We also know you can't warn people about eternity once you're there. Like there's no returning from the grave to tell Scrooge you got one night with three spirits to get it right. You can't do that from hell. Um, I think the most powerful verses, though, in the story have to do with Abraham's explanation regarding God's word. He tells the rich man, if his family doesn't believe the truth found in Moses, that's the law, the, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, and the prophets, which comprise most of the Old Testament, they won't believe the truth, even if a dead man arises from the grave. Really hard not to see Jesus foreshadowing his own death and resurrection there, and that the hard truth begins to sink in for the rich man. He's, he's missed his opportunity. He was so confident in his wealth and his security and his daily life that he missed his kingdom opportunity. Now listen to me carefully. The reality is this. If you miss your opportunity here on earth, you miss it for eternity. There is no second chance. There is no universalism at play here, okay? Christ's point couldn't be more clear. The choices you make here on earth will affect where you spend eternity. And that's a really important question to ask ourselves. Where will I spend eternity? The Bible contains everything you need to know about eternity. It doesn't answer every question. It doesn't provide every detail or give you everything you want to know. And that's okay. But it does, however, give you what you need to know. You don't need a spectacular sign pointing you in the right direction. Hey, God, if the goats down the road start flying, <laughs> like, oh, man, you got me. What you have at your disposal are you have two things. And we'll go deeper into this when we get into Romans later this year. But you have, first, God's creation. You have the stars in the sky, the mountains, the knowledge that we have about natural phenomena, like our, our neurological system, for instance, and how that works. And all the things in nature that point to the existence of God. Every single person on planet Earth has access to that. Two, you have God's Word. Now, not every person is privileged to have God's Word. I, I get that. Not every person knows it. That's why it's so important we're active in missions work around the world. It's why it matters that you share your story with other people in your social circles, that, that you know God's word yourself, right? Like my encouragement to those of you who have questions, who might be skeptical, is to read and study the Bible for yourself. Like research everything. Come to your own conclusions. Don't believe it because like, you know, hey, pastor said it. No, you, you do your own research and you see for yourself. That was part of my own spiritual journey. Like for me, I discovered there was just way too much out there, too much of a probability that these stories and events were true for me to ignore them. And the more I studied, the more I researched, the more I came to believe that it'd be better to assume everything in Scripture is true than to err on the side that, you know, it isn't. And that's actually how I got started, like how I got to where I'm unshakable in my faith today. And, and I can tell you that I believe, I, I believe every word, every story, every Scripture. It's not only inspired by God. I believe it's absolutely true. Where we spend eternity hinges on our ultimate decision regarding Jesus. Is he truly God's son? Is he really the fulfillment of scripture and God's promises? That's an important decision each of us has to make. 
We're, we're not given the luxury of ignoring or dismissing Jesus because he didn't leave that as an option to us. He claimed to be the way, the truth, and the life. He claimed to be the I am, an ancient Jewish name for God. Even Moses knew that name. He forces you to come to a place where you must decide for yourself, is he who he says he is, the Son of God or not? You can't be in the middle on this one. Once you're exposed to Jesus, once you've learned about Him and who He claims to be, you have a choice to make. And if we believe that Christ is God's Son, that He died for us, that He rose again, and He lives today, then we're able to have a relationship with God that leads us into His kingdom. We're, we're given these moments to get outside of our, our little gated community life, to step outside our security and not miss the kingdom opportunities in front of us. So. Again, how are we living? And where will we spend eternity? What we do with those moments answers those questions, these questions and affects only us, but also affects people around us on an eternal level. You know? Like, imagine you got a rope for a moment. And, 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 and the rope is your timeline. It just stretches on and on and on, right? For, for an eternity. And there's a small little section that represents your life here on earth. This is a teeny tiny section, right? Our lives are so short. They're, they're brief before we spend an eternity somewhere else. And so what's crazy is we, we talk about this small part right here, this little life we've got. We're consumed by it. We live for it. All we think about is just this little life. And we think about proving ourselves to people. And we think about saving and being comfortable and, you know, and, and all those types of things. But we've got one chance at this little life right here, one chance and then comes eternity. That's it. It's tempting to live for the moment. I, I get it. Everyone lives that way. They all live for the moment, right? Everyone lives for the short little life here on earth. Everyone lives for the accolades and the wealth and the social status. It, it, but it's all a crazy deception. Jesus is calling us to have an eternal perspective. He's calling us to be kingdom-minded because we've got this one shot and this one chance to get it right before eternity comes for us. So let me ask these two important questions again. How are you living? Where will you spend eternity? I'm going to give you the opportunity today to, to answer those questions honestly. You know, because our, our lives are here and gone just in a blink. And what are we doing with the time we have right now? Are we living kingdom-minded with eternity in our hearts? Or are we living behind our gated life with our security, living for the moment, for these short little years we have on earth? How are you living? Where will you spend eternity? Here's what I want to do. Perhaps you're here today and you say, Pastor, if I'm honest with you, I don't know where I'd spend eternity. I think it would be with the Lord, but I don't know. Or maybe you'd say, I have zero clue. Uh, I kind of hope that God lets everybody in. <laughs> I don't describe myself as a Christian. Maybe you're just out there and you're like, you know what? I definitely wouldn't because <laughs> I know where I'm, how I'm living and I know the choices I'm making. I'm just far away. That, that's fine. If that's you, if you're watching or listening today, here's what I want you to do. I want you to say this prayer after me. We're going to say a prayer that makes Jesus Christ our Lord and our Savior. He's going to save us from our sin. He's going to be Lord of our life. Then I want to pray for you who are Christians today. I want to pray for you that you keep those two questions in the forefront of your mind. How am I living and where will I spend eternity? Because when you answer those questions every day, how am I living? Is it for the Lord? Is it for myself? Is it, is it for the God's kingdom or for my own self-preservation? You know, 
Where am I going to spend eternity? You know, is it God's kingdom or somewhere else? You know, because when you answer those questions, you realize, you know what? Okay, yeah, I, I want to live for the Lord. I want to do God's purpose and God's will. It's not about me because I'm going into the kingdom of God. I want to take folks with me. Like it kind of helps you keep things and in the forefront as they should. And so I want to pray for you today as you stay on track and on mission if you're a believer. So uh, if, you're, if you're not a follower of Christ yet, you say, I wouldn't know where I would spend eternity, or maybe you'd say, hey, I definitely know I wouldn't be with the Lord. I want you to say this prayer after me first in your own words. It's going to go like this. Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. God, forgive me for the sin that I've done. I've done things I'm not proud of. I know that they've violated you and your standards. And Lord, today I'm saying I need a Savior. I need someone to save me from my sin. I need you, Jesus, to uh, hit that reset button. Give me a new start. Uh, wash me with the blood that you shed, man. Uh, Lord, you died and rose again for me. And so I, I, today I'm saying, Jesus, I, I'm, I'm, I'm accepting that invitation, that promise of salvation from you. Forgive me and save me. And I'm not going to just do my own thing anymore. I've tried that. It's not worked out. I'm not going to follow my way. In fact, today I'm making you Lord in my life too. So I'm going to follow you from this day forward. I'm going to serve you. I, I, I'm going to surrender my life over to you. Will you lead me and guide me and take me where I need to go? From today on, I'm committing myself to being a follower of Christ. You're my Savior. You're my Lord. And, and, and I want to make sure I have that assurance from you that I'm, I'm going to be in your kingdom one day. So I'm committing myself to serve and follow after you. I will obey you from today on. Lord, for those who are believers today who are struggling right now with staying on mission, may they just be at the forefront of their mind in these two questions. How am I living? Where will I spend eternity? May that be at the forefront of their minds each and every single day. Help them, Lord, to interact with their social circles in such a way that they seize kingdom opportunities, Lord. May when they're around town, when they're around communities, may they seize the kingdom opportunities that are there to bring people in your kingdom, to bring folks into a relationship with you. Lord, help us to stay on point and on mission because hell is real. And we don't want folks we care and love about especially to find themselves there in eternity. Help us, God, to do all that we can to bring people into your kingdom and to stay on mission and on point. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us, you can do so by emailing us at media at radiantchurchsc.com or visit one of our social accounts on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform that you listen to. We hope you have an amazing rest of your day.